0: Rejoice. rejoice you know i like to look at rejoice as re you know when you say really it means do it again rejoice. do it again in other words repeat joy keep doing it i also like to look at it as a release joy you know let the joy that is inside of it like i told you last week that joy is is part of your makeup it's part of the fruit of the spirit you know to rejoice to, to release it and let it come out so That is what um, we're looking at this month. We are celebrating God this month. And um, we are studying the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, I call it the book of joy. Because in the book of Philippians, the word joy is repeated several times. It's It's the book of the Bible that has the most mention of either joy, rejoice, uh, you know, I joy, I enjoy, whatever joy, joy, joy. You go read it and count the number of times that joy is repeated in the book of Philippians, so you know that it's a book of joy. But the the interesting thing about the book of Philippians is that the person who wrote it, so Paul wrote it in collaboration with Timothy. Now, Paul wrote the book of Philippians from prison. From prison. And I, as I explained when I introduced the series last week, the, for, the last two years of Paul is what we read in the book of Acts, you know, Acts 26, you know, all those places that Paul was you know, accused and then he was brought before the, 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 you know, the king and all that. And then after a while he said, I appeal to Caesar, and then they take him on a voyage to take him to Rome so that they can stand before Caesar. While they were going on that voyage, they had a shipwreck, it was in chains. They had a shipwreck, then they, they were able to swim to a particular island. Paul was trying to, you know, put some fire, something, you know, some, some wood together for fire. A snake came out, beat him, and all that. People say, Oh, this guy's gonna die and all that, but he didn't die. And then they got him to Rome and then they put him in prison. And it was not, I explained to you, it wasn't just any kind of prison. It was, you know, what they call, you know, it was a prison, but they, call, they had some people called the palace guards there. So Paul was under surveillance. He was being monitored 24-7, and he was also chained, you know, in the place. So he was in chains. He was being surveyed 24-7. So, And then that was when he wrote the book of Philippians. So the question I asked then, and I asked right now, is that if you were the one that went through that for the last two years of your life, for the sake of the gospel, and then you get, you know, you are there and you are in jail in that condition, what would be the title of your book? And what would be the subject of that book? And, you know, when we did it last week, people, people gave me some interesting titles. One of them was God, why me? <laughs> right? You know, I'm sure you guys have more creative words, you know? Why is it so hard to serve God? What's going on here? A lot of complaining. A lot of, I mean, that's what we will have written about. Sometimes we will have blasted people that that forgot us inside the prison. Say, all these people that I, you know, I preach the gospel everywhere, but look at me, I'm in here right now. Nobody even remembers me. What's what's your letter going to sound like? What's it going to read like if you were the one in Paul's condition? What's it going to read like? Now, you don't need to write a letter. You can just look at now, your life right now. What's your what, what are your words like about your current situation? What are you saying and what are you writing? So Paul teaches us a lesson here because he wrote this book. And in this book, we have a particular verse there. Philippians chapter 4. Quickly, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 writing from jail he gives instruction to those who were outside those who were not the the person who was in chains was writing to those who were unchained, and he was telling them in verse six i want us to read it again uh, together everybody one two and let's go no, let, let, let's start from let's sorry, let's start from verse um let's start from verse four and then we'll read it up to verse six. One, two, let's go. Rejoice in, in the always, Lord always. And the Rejoice. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Let's go to verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Wow, look at that from a guy in prison, in jail, gone through all that trouble. That's what, at least the one encouraging people outside. I mean, saying, what you guys have seen in me, you practice the same. You practice the same. So what we're doing this month is we're going to look at some things that we can see in Paul. Just like he said, what we can see in Paul from the book of Philippians, and then we're going to practice the same. So that's where the title of my message, How to be Joyful All the Time, came from. So I'm going to be continuing there. How to be what? Joyful, joyful all the time. So follow me as you know we go, we go further in it. So last week I started um, the message, and we looked at two reasons. The question we're trying to answer was, why was Paul joyful even though he was in prison? What was it that Paul knew? What was it about Paul? What was, what was the revelation that he had that he never got into depression? He never got you know, you know, to start you know, blaming God. But instead, he kept on praising God and he kept on talking about joy and telling people, about joy. What was it that Paul knew? That's what we're trying to go through. So the first thing that we saw last week is that Paul knew that joy was a decision. Everybody say joy is a decision. decision. That's the first thing that we can see from the book of Philippians. He knew that joy was a decision. Joy was not a feeling. Joy was a decision. It was a choice that you make you choose to rejoice. Even if you don't feel like rejoicing, just choose to rejoice. Because happiness is different from joy. Happiness is is based on happenings. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the next one is what? Joy. Joy. Joy is a part of your spiritual makeup. Just like you have your physical makeup, you have your hand as part of your physical makeup, you have your eye as part of your physical makeup, joy is a part of your spiritual makeup. So you can choose to open your eyes or use your muscles, your hand. And I give the illustration of how I use my muscles more than David last week. Why my biceps are more developed than his own. (laughs) Amen. So in the same way, people use their joys you know joys are doing it differently and so they develop they develop spiritual joy muscles at different rates and some people's joy muscles are very flabby because it's not been exercised what i'm trying to tell you is that joy is a condition of your spirit if you have received jesus christ as your lord and savior Joy is a condition of your spirit, it's a part of your spirit, it's a fruit of the spirit that the Holy Spirit inspires inside of you, and it is independent of happenings, it is independent of what is going on in your life. That is why you can make the choice to rejoice. So, let's look at that you know, just quickly reviewing that. Let's look at the passage, um, you know, that we uh, that tells us that Paul knew that joy was a decision in philippians chapter 1 verse 18 if i can have the nlt in philippians chapter 1 verse 18 paul at the very the very end of that verse paul gives us you know that secret he knew that joy was a decision verse 18 the 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 last part so he says the former the former the former preached christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely, supposing that they can stay up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The most important thing is that in every way, from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And he says what? Yes. And I what? I will continue to rejoice. So when somebody says, I will continue to rejoice, he's saying that it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. I will continue. He mean it was a choice. So can everybody say after me, say, I will continue to rejoice this way. No, come on, tell your neighbor, say, I will continue to rejoice. Say, so no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances, whether it's what I like or what I don't like, I will continue to rejoice. So that's the first thing we see there, that Paul made a decision. That no matter the circumstances, I'm going to continue. I will. So I want you to get that again. Joy is a decision. And you can make that decision at every point in your life. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continually be in my mouth. It's a choice. Because joy is a fruit. It's a fruit of the spirit. Number two. Why was was Paul able to rejoice? Even though the circumstances were as described and he was in jail too because he knew that joy was a perspective everybody say joy is a perspective joy is a perspective now how many of you will let's look at it right now let's assume that something is happening to you right now like something's happening in your life right now that you don't really like okay that you feel like this is really bad and you are you know you are you know, you are depressed or you are unhappy about it, you are sad about it, right? And you are looking at it, that's a perspective. But then let me give you another perspective. What if you had that same situation and you grew, this morning you woke up in Kentucky and all your property, your house, and everything went with the hurricane. Okay, should I go further? Uh, what if you had the same problem, and out of the seventy people that died, it was your brother or your sister or your child. Will you remember all this some of the things that are troubling you right now? Can you see perspectives beginning to change? Do you get it? is a perspective. If you look at things from a part, from one particular perspective. It can get you depressed. It can get you depressed. So David shared a testimony earlier today, and about um, you know what you know took place with his daughter. Now, so but I love the way he handled it, you know because we're talking through it. So one perspective is, why is this happening to me? Why am I locked up with my ex now? Why you know all this? You know they're saying this and They're not appreciating me. Why is this? Gonna, that's one perspective, and then it's going to get into depression. But then the perspective he was looking at it was that, wow, I got the opportunity to support my daughter. Wow. We actually had the opportunity to actually hear out some stuff. Oh, wow. I thank God because I was trained in mental health. Because I understood some of this stuff. And I was able to work her through it. Oh, wow. Normally, they will, when, when they commit people, it takes a longer time. But look at her. They are releasing her, you know, very soon. Do you, do you see perspective? Oh, my, my church family supported me. Can you see perspective? So because of that perspective, he did not sink into depression or, it, or sink into, you know, oh, oh, complaint. He maintained his joy. In the, you know, David told me, he said, I've had the worst two nights, two days of my life in a long time, this week. But look at him standing here. Amen. Amen. So I I want you all to understand, you know, when Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength, it's not just a cliche, it's not just something that you you just say, (laughs) your real strength is the joy. The moment you lose your joy, you lose your strength. You lose your strength. Now, listen, Satan can take everything from you, but if he doesn't take your joy, he can't keep those things from you. You can't keep it. You, what I'm saying? you can't keep those things from you. It's only if you, if he you, you know, and you know all those manipulations is to, to take your joy away. The moment your joy got gets taken away, the moment your joy gets taken away, then you have lost it all. You know, there's uh some some there's a, a passage in the in the book of um, Joel, in the book of Joel, uh that was talking about, you know. You know, let us look at it. You know, in the in the I think it's in the KJV or NKJV. Um, you know that he was talking about why. You know why a lot of things were happening. You know, let me let me let me let me try and locate it. You know, I think it it would be good. You know, for for us to look at it. Uh, Joel, chapter one, verse twelve. You know, if you can give me the NKJV. I love the way he says, says. Look at it. He said the the vine has dried up. And the fig tree has withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, and all the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. Joy has what? Withered away. So so basically, first of all, it was a physical thing. It was the vine drying up, it was the fig tree. It was, you know, it was just, you know, they were, they were, it was an agrarian society, right? It was their work. It was in you know, all those things. But then, it eventually got to the where the real, the real place. Joy, joy had withered away from the sons of men. And you know, later, I continued the prophecy, and it says, "But it will come to pass, I'll part my spirit upon all flesh." So when God is working in our lives, part of what He first rejo- sorry part of what He first deals with is our spiritual. That's what He deals with, for our spiritual condition. It will deal with your joy. If you get your joy back, you will see that all these things will start getting resolved. That's what Habakkuk knew. When Habakkuk said, even though the fig tree shall not, I think Habakkuk chapter 3, is it 3 verse 10 or so, he said, even though the fig tree shall not blossom, even though all those things have happened, he said, yet I will praise the Lord. I will rejoice. Look at it. He says, um, go, go up. Go, go up some more. Uh, go, just go. Go up. Okay, keep going. Where he says, even though the fig tree, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. I think it's at, it's at the, uh, oh yeah, that's it. He said, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the holy may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. That's a terrible situation, but what? Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll rejoice in the go up, I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Then the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and it will make me walk upon my high hills. So, in other words, in the midst of all those things, he says, I will rejoice. So, everybody say, Joy is a decision, joy is a perspective. So, in the book of Philippians, let's let's quickly look at it. Uh, how do we see where Paul, uh, you, know, you know, gives us that uh, example of joy? Being a perspective, Philippians chapter one, from verse twelve to fourteen. Philippians one, from verse twelve to fourteen, it says, "And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me, every, in jail, everything, everybody say everything." You know, it's very easy for us to say everything good that has happened to us, right? It's working for our good. But Paul was saying everything that has happened to me here, including my imprisonment. He says, everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the old palace guard, know that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained confidence and they boldly speak God's message without fear. So in other words, he wasn't looking at his incarceration. He was looking at, the, he was looking from another perspective. Well, you know what? If I had not been incarcerated in this place, all these people would not have heard the gospel. All these people that are now talking about the gospel and they are looking at me and saying, wow, this person is here because this person is serving Christ. And then the, the ones that are believers there, their faith is getting stronger. And the ones that were there are unbelievers there, they'll say, What kind of a guy is this? And they're coming to Christ. Can you see? that's a perspective. Somebody else might be looking at something else and not see that. So that's the that's you know, what I want. I you know, I want to pass across to you. Ask yourself what else is going on now that you can you may be missing as a result of what you are going through. You are going through some. What else is going on simultaneously that you are missing? Do you get it? You know, there was this story uh, told about a guy. So they put him in the pit. I don't know if I've shared it before. They threw him in the pit, right? They took, threw one person in the pit down there for some days, right? And the guy was in that pit, and he was complaining all through. He was sad all through. He was, you know, just like, "Why, why am I in this place?" So after some days, they released him. and went out, right? Then they put another one, another person in the pit. So that one sat down there and in the same pit. And the person started looking around in the pit and discovered that it was actually a diamond mine. So while he was there, he picked some diamonds and all that, put it in his pocket, <laughs> put, it, put it in his pocket. So when they took him out, he didn't just come out of the pit, he came out of the pit with diamonds. So the lesson of that story is this. If you ever found your, find yourself in the pit, make sure you look around and pick some diamond from there. Some diamond. Don't leave the place without diamond. There's diamond in every pit. There's an equivalent benefit from every challenge. And, you know, last week I shared some stories from my own life, you sense, know, of when I went through tough times in my life. Tough times in my life, and I look back right now, and I'm like, well, look at the diamond I picked from that. There's a diamond that you are, there's diamond where you are right now. There's, There's diamond where you are right now. Diamonds of relationships. Diamonds of your faith being built. Diamonds of you learning to trust. Diamonds, I mean, just lessons that you are learning. Don't get so caught up with where you want to get to that you forget the journey. It is not just about the destination. The journey actually is more interesting than the destination. Enjoy where you are on the way to where you are going. Don't wait until you get there before you start enjoying You will have wasted a whole of your life because the majority of your life is going to be traveling. Amen? So why don't you enjoy every day? Why don't you rejoice in every day, in the simple things, in the little things? Before you know it, those of you that have children, uh, those of you that are single, those of you that are newly married, before you know it, those days are going to pass. They're going to go past very fast. Sometimes I look at my kids, I'm like, where did all the years go? This boy that was running after me, that's my son Jesse, he's about to leave home now. I mean this. I mean this boy that before they, you know, if I'm in the house, they, they will come and be jumping on my bed. When they were young, disturbing me, and I'm chasing them away. Both of us were in the house for the past four days. We're all in our different rooms. <laughs> Do Our office. <laughs> where did Where did all the days go? If you didn't en- If you didn't enjoy that, you will have no memories. Because you are waiting for something. Enjoy when you have no children. Because when they come, your life will change. A new level of joy, but a new level of challenges. <laughs> Amen. Enjoy your singleness. Amen. Enjoy every, every circumstance, every time, every season of your life. Rejoice in God. So why? So I told you perspective. Whenever you are faced with something, three things, three things, three things, perspective shift. This is why I talked about three perspectives. And this is this is these are all from Paul. The first thing is something good is happening simultaneously. Paul said, I'm in chains, I know it's painful. But you know what? People are getting saved. People's faith have been encouraged. There's something happening simultaneously. There's a lesson you are learning. There's something growing in you. There's something happening around you, right? Even though you are in that situation, there are diamonds in the in that pit. The second one, perspective shift. It could be worse. It could be worse. It could be worse. For all the things that we share today, Man, it could have been worse. It could be worse. It could be worse. It could be worse. It could be worse. I mean, I want to always think of that. Always think of that. When a situation comes and the devil wants to use it in your mind and, and tells you, oh yeah, you are just in the worst situation of your life. This is is actually the end of your life. This is actually so terrible. You know, what are you going to do next? Just think about it. The fact that you are even able to think that what am I going to do next means you are alive. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) To think. It could be worse. It could be worse. So we must always look at it from that perspective. And then the last one, it is temporary. Okay. That's the other perspective. Here. All these things are always temporary. Yes. You know, Paul said it. Uh, said it this way in Second um, Corinthians chapter four, verse seventeen to eighteen. Let's read really it. Second Corinthians four, seventeen to eighteen. He said, "Let's read it." Second Corinthians four, seventeen to eighteen. For our present troubles are small. Everybody say small perspective. No matter how big it seems to you, they are small. And they won't last very long. And they won't last very long. Have say, they won't, long. they won't last very long. They won't last very long. So, first of all, they are temporary in the season of your life. That's one thing you need to know. I mean, all of, all of us you have lived some life, you notice that the things that you used to cry about some years ago, when you look at them now, you just laugh about them. But at the time when they were happening, you, you were like, this is the end of me. But now you look back and laugh and say, what, what, why was I bothered about that? I mean, how many of you were bothered with your multiplication tables? <laughs> let, let him... <laughs> I look at her, she comes, oh, this is so hard. Okay, all right. This is hard. It's a perspective. Hard is a perspective. But you don't get to calculus, you know? (laughs) That's the way it is with our lives, too. You laugh about those things now. But at that time, they were so challenging. Even some of you at the beginning of this year, there were some things that you felt like, oh so terrible. Now you look back to the beginning, I was like, Wow, why, why was I worried about all this stuff? Why? Because they won't last. They won't last. But you know, even look at what it says. It said they won't last very long, but yet they produce for us a glory that outwe- that vastly outweighs them. And those ones will last forever. There's something bigger, something greater, something more important going on in your spirit, in your life that is being developed, that is that is that is gonna be better, bigger than what you are going through. There's something God is building. Just look and say, I don't understand it right now. I don't understand why I'm restricted, why I'm in, you know here and all that. But there's something God is doing at this time. That outweighs all this stuff. So that's why we can be joyful. So that's why it says, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. We continue. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen. Well, because of time, let me give you the third one because that was more like a review. Um, The third one, why was Paul able to be joyful at all times? Number three, joy comes from focusing on the right priorities. Number three, joy comes from focusing on the right priorities. So number one, joy is a decision. Number two, joy is a perspective. Number three, joy comes from... Focusing on the right priorities. Joy comes when you focus on what really matters, what is truly important, not the trivial stuff. Amen. So, <laughs> let's read a passage, and I'll read this. i read some. i read a story for you, and I'm sure you guys will, you'll get it from the story. You know, I told some stories last week. You know about two guys, but I'm going to give you one today. Another one. Now look at it. Uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18, see priorities there. Why was Paul able to be joyful in the midst of circumstances? Philippians 1, 15 to 18, look at it. It says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here, that I am put in prison for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stay up trouble for me while i'm in chains look at the verse 18. everybody read the verse 18 for me the beginning i want to go but what no verse 18 oh no did you change it philippians oh all right philippians chapter 1 verse 15 to 18. philippians 1 from verse 15 to 18. are you there all right please let's you know so paul says some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Some out of goodwill. Some out of love. Knowing that I'm here for the defense of the gospel. Some preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely. Thinking that they can stay up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But well, verse 18, I want you to read together. But what... You understand? What does it matter? What matters? The important... What what, what? what are you using? Can you use NLT? Is that NLT? Use NLT, yeah. Look at it. But what does it matter? But that doesn't matter. No, this is this is not NLT. This is NIV. Oh, is NLT? Oh, go 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 back to verse 18. Yes. Go back to verse 18 there. I love the the passage that says what does it matter? But that's why we can use this one. Look at Bob. That doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. (laughs) Do you get it? You know what? It's, you, know, you have to prioritize, right? You have to prioritize. Okay, all right. You know, you know some people are preaching the gospel and they are, they're saying, look, Paul is in jail and he's supposed to be there, and they're trying to hurt him and all that. But it's like, you know what? The most important thing is that they are preaching the gospel anyway. That's what matters. So, when you, when you have the right priority, you will rejoice. Do you get what I'm saying? You will rejoice when you focus on what really matters. The translation I have here says, but what does it matter? What does it matter? I said, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So everybody say priorities. priorities. So let me read this story for you. So a college student wrote this letter to her parents. listen. <laughs> it will teach you about joy. A college student wrote this letter to her parents. Dear mom and dad, it has been nearly three months since I left for college and I've been remiss in writing and I'm very sorry for my thoughtlessness in not having written before. I will bring you up to date now, but before you read on, please sit down. (laughs) you are not to read any further unless you are sitting down okay well then i'm getting pretty well now The skull fracture and the concussion i got when i jumped out of the window of my dormitory when it caught fire shortly after my my arrival are pretty well healed now <laughs> i only spent two weeks in the hospital and now I can see almost normally and only get those sick headaches once a day. <laughs> Fortunately, the fire in the dormitory and my jump were witnessed by an attendant at the gas station near the dorm. And it was the one who called the fire department and the ambulance. He also visited me at the hospital. And since I had, I had nowhere to live because of the burnt out basement room, sorry, because of the burnt out dormitory, He was kind enough to invite me to share his apartment with him. It's really a basement room, but it's kind of cute. He's a very fine boy, and we are falling deeply in love, and we are planning to get married. (laughs) We haven't said the exact date yet, but it will be before my pregnancy begins to show. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Alright. <laughs> so imagine that you are the parents who did this, okay. Alright, it's not finished. Yes, mother and dad. I'm pregnant. And I know how much you are looking forward to being grandparents. <laughs> and I know you will welcome the baby and give it the same love and devotion you gave me when I was a child. The reason for the delay in our wedding date is that Michael had some very large debts from his three previous marriages. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, that He needs to work on before we can afford to get married. Now that I brought you up to date, now just imagine as a parent. How are you feeling? Where you? Feeling? How are you? Like you know? How are you feeling? You're like you're ready, but look at what the kid now says. Now that I have brought you up to date. I want to tell you, there was no dormitory fire. I did not get a concussion or a skull fracture. I was not in the hospital. I'm not pregnant. I'm not engaged. And there's no one in my life. However, I'm getting a D in history. And that F is science. (laughs) And I and I wanted you to see this mark in a proper perspective. Your loving daughter, Edna. <laughs> what are you going to do on the period? You're going to say, Lord, I thank you. <laughs> thank you for the I thank you for the D. <laughs> you see, you see, priorities. <laughs> You know, you can just imagine the, the side of, re, of relief that the parents would just, oh, wow, I just a D and an F. Thank you, Lord, for the D and the F. But if she had just said, I got a D and I got an F, oh. <laughs> yeah. you see the way they would address it? But they, 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 they can't put it in a perspective to let them know that it could be worse. Yeah. You know, if we treat situations in our lives that way, if we can conjure a story, of how it could have happened otherwise. How it could have been worse. We're gonna rejoice all the time. Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) We're gonna rejoice all the time. So that's, you know, these things are practical stuff. You understand that I want us to practice it this week. I want us to practice it in our life this month. Every situation that makes you sad is because there's a story that comes with it in your mind. You can change that story. You can change that story by choice from perspective and because of priorities. Amen? Amen. Because of priorities. Woo! I'd rather have an S than (laughs) all of that thing that she shared. Right? So priorities. So that's my message for you today. Amen? So why don't we all rise up right now and let's practice it again. Let's practice our joy again. It's... It's the season of rejoicing. I want you know what I want to you know I want I want us to really take this very seriously. This December I want you to throw a party. Everybody say throw a party. Now I'm speaking figuratively, okay? <laughs> well, well, if, you could do it you know you can throw a party, a real party, right? But I'm, I'm saying that you know throw a party every day. Throw a party for yourself. You know what I say throw a party for you know your your children your roommate your spouse and all that just throw a party everywhere you understand stay in that place of rejoicing because god is working something amazing out of those things that will give him glory and that will give you greater joy thanks for listening to the glow podcast we trust see we blessed and inspired For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.